This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Bruins have made some moves since we last spoke. They signed uh, former Harvard captain John Farinacci to a two-year entry-level contract at an attempt to try to bolster the, the organizational depth at center. We'll discuss his potential at the NHL level and in, in, in that going forward. And they also signed um, NHL veteran uh, Alex Chason to a professional tryout. So those are the more recent transactions. And um, how are you guys? And I think those are probably the, the two jumping points we'll start off with today. Yeah, uh, I am good. Um, yeah, just create more and more competition. Uh, in Chieson's case for NHL jobs, obviously just a PTO, so you're not really committing anything to him in terms of cap space or contracts yet. But obviously, you know, he'll get a chance to, to compete for and potentially win a job likely in in the bottom six you know i think you could see him as a third or fourth liner he's also been something of a power play specialist for at least the last several years um last season he scored six goals in, in just 20 games for detroit and five of them were on the power play uh in total over the last five years 30 of his 61 nhl goals have been in the power plays kind of made a living right around the, the net front. Um, so you could see him get a chance there for the Bruins. You know, I think especially if you're thinking about, you know, if, if James Van Riemsdyk plays that spot in the first unit, maybe it's Chase on the second unit. If he can do enough other things to, to win a spot on the roster. Um, and then Farinacci create, you know, again, how many times have we talked about it, but the Bruins have to keep taking swings at center um and this is one you know he's he's a good two-way player he's he's a really smart player i know bridget's seen more of him in college uh covering yale games um mm -hmm. in their matchups against harvard but you know i think there is some offensive upside there he he missed time last year due to injury early on then came back and averaged over a point per game so there's you know a little bit of offense there and if you're the bruins i think you hope he can tap into that a little bit more but um, at the very least, like he's another guy who could be competing for a roster spar, whether it's this year, next year, whenever you just, you know, you, you're taking swings. You're, you're giving yourselves as many cracks to find guys who can help you at the center ice position going forward. Yeah. And to speak for the, to the Farinacci stuff, because I broadcast one of his games this year, um, he, right after he came back from his injury, actually, it was, I think seven days after his first game. Harvard came and played Yale. Um, and he, like in, in case people hear, oh, he had an injury that kept him out for the first half of last year's um, collegiate hockey season. He looked fine. Like right away, he didn't seem to have any rust at all. Um, he played really well. He 
centered the top power or actually he might not because he was just coming back i think he might have played wing on the top power play unit but he can center a top power play unit um at least at the collegiate level um so he's always been on over the last two seasons on harvard's top power play unit and he was their second line center when he came back and he um when he started to come back from injury and he it's not like the Bruins are signing. He's not an undrafted free agent. He's a drafted free agent. He was originally drafted by Arizona um, 76 overall. So that's a third round pick uh, in 2019. And he let, I was talking to Scott before we started the podcast um, to just try to make sure I had the logistics right. But four seasons after or four years after you're drafted, if you don't sign with that team, you become a free agent. So his time, uh, came up this summer because he was drafted in the summer of 2019 and he decided he didn't want to go to Arizona. So it's not like this guy is just, you know, he's, he was uh, picked by the Coyotes as an NHL level player and decided he wanted to sign closer to where he's playing his been playing in college, which is with the Bruins. So um, we think it was mostly his decision to not end up signing with the team that drafted him, but it's not like you're getting someone that uh, kind of went under the radar. He was picked up by the Coyotes originally. What was that, Scott? So, so Farinacci was also part of that, um, that Trevor Zegris uh, world juniors team that won gold a couple of years ago during, during COVID. And, he played a pretty significant role in that team uh, as far as point production and whatnot. And so that's that tournament can be a good indicator if somebody, not always, but can be a good indicator if somebody has the potential at the next level. Is is Farinacci somebody, and, and Bridget, you mentioned he was a drafted free agent, not an undrafted free agent, but is he somebody that his game can translate to the NHL level? Does he have does he have the speed that can help him excel at the NHL level? Or do you think there's a, there's a greater chance than not that maybe he's just one of those players, great to a player in college, third round pick. Maybe he cracks the NHL as like a fourth liner. Is there, is there a potential middle six upside to this kid, whether it's not necessarily this coming season, but down the line, I mean, they'd sign it for two years. So we'll start there. Can I answer first? So I would say that when I watched him, his style of play was, um, like Scott mentioned, he was a really smart center. So like a very aware of, I don't want to compare him to Krejci because I've said on several other podcasts that Krejci's his own, like there's no one's really all that like Krejci. Um, but in terms of like his hockey IQ, um, really, really smart center. He's coming from Harvard. I know that sounds like it, it might be a given, but um, when you just watch him out there, uh, though, I, I'm not sure about this year, him being ready to contribute uh, a lot of minutes. I, I'm not sure he ends up with Boston. He more than likely wouldn't you think ends up with Providence, but, um, who is to say he's, well, I think he's 22 years old. Um, and he's got time to develop and maybe their center, their center, uh, configuration with Zaka and Coyle and uh, whoever else they throw in in their third line center, whether it be Frederick or Geeky and um, however that bottom part of the center structure works out, 
he could win a spot. I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he really challenged for a spot because he plays a good fundamental style of hockey. He's not somebody that I really can recall getting exposed too much defensively. So, I mean, he, he's got, he's got a chance to make the team out of camp, I think. Yeah. I think he also plays with some physicality and like, he'll get to dirty areas and not afraid to mix it up. So you like that, especially if you're talking about, you know, a fourth liner, bottom six guy, uh, really good on faceoffs. He won 54.8% of his faceoffs last year. Um, you know, I know played in, in all situations at Harvard. So, you know, you look at, he probably isn't going to play in Bruins power play anytime soon, but if he were able to crack, you know, say the fourth line contribute on the penalty kill, I think that's something that'd be in play. Um, so yeah, he's not, by the way, he's also the nephew of Ted Donato. So like there's another Bruins connection, obviously Harvard connection, uh, being coached by him. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's a lot to like there. I, I, Brian, you mentioned speed. I think that's probably, you know, when you read up on him, like considered sort of the question mark that he's going to need to work on. But that's a lot of young players. That's pretty much everyone who comes out of college. You know, very few guys have NHL level skating or they probably wouldn't have stayed, you know, until four years after being drafted. Um, you mentioned that world junior team. He, he really played on the, he was like the third line center on that team, but had five goals in seven games. So contributed, you know, not to Trevor Zegers levels, obviously Zegers was like setting world junior records that tournament, um, but was a pretty significant offensive contributor, even as third line center. So, you know, I don't, I would say, you know, my projection is like he could potentially have third line upside if, you know, more, more offense comes along and, and translates to the pro level. I don't know if he has top six upside. I, I think there have to be like a really big offensive jump for that to happen, but can definitely see him as a contributor in, a, in the bottom six. You know, I think talk, there's almost, I think maybe some similarities to, to Mark McLaughlin when he came out of college, where it's like, he just does everything well and smart player and, you know, plays all situations. Like those are guys you just like having because, they can compete for jobs. They're not going to be out of place if you put them in an NHL game, right? They're not going to get exposed. They're not going to be out there making stupid plays. Um, I will say, though, or- I think he does have more offensive upside than McLaughlin. Um, McLaughlin is, I believe, bigger um, and can and can uh, use that to his advantage. But I I do think Farinacci is a different style center, than McLaughlin. Um, and I don't, I, I kind of feel like he automatically jumps McLaughlin in the depth chart. Um, maybe just because I have recency bias. I saw him play at Harvard this past season and really liked how he played, but there's a chance that he just jumped several of these guys we've been talking about in Providence in the depth chart. And it could, this could end up being a move where that we look back on and we're like, wow, that seemed in- insignificant at the time. But look, like two years down the line, three years down the line, or, you know, if they extend him because they only sent him to a two-year contract. Um, if he starts en- ending up being a contributor and he's jumped those um, players at center in the depth chart, then you're like, wow, that was actually a really good depth move that has turned into more of a regular everyday kind of a player. And I, I don't see that as off the table for him. Yeah, may- maybe potentially more all-around offense for Farinacci, I'd say – 
McLaughlin, especially coming out of college, definitely had more goal scoring chops. Um, you know, had 21 goals in 33 games as, as a senior. I do think Fer from you know just a little bit I've watched, like I do think Farinacci has a pretty good shot. And we mentioned the five goals and seven games at World Juniors. Um, just seems like maybe he needs to use it more. Like yeah, I don't, you know, might be a little bit of a you know pass first type player, which is fine. But I think if you know if we're talking about like what's his offensive upside at some point, he's probably going to use a shot more. Yeah. But you want a distributor too. Like you'll take a good puck distributor. And I'd I'd say you're right that he's more of a assist manufacturer than he is a guy that's looking to shoot first. But I I do think that he has the skill set. We'll see whether or not it can transition into immediately into NHL, but more like, I feel more likely than not he starts out in the, in the AHL. Um, but you know what, he's on a Harvard team and he was, um, like I mentioned on the first line or the first power play unit, he had played back and forth between the first and second line, um, for the crimson. And this wasn't on a team. Like you you think of college hockey teams are such a wide range of like, like I broadcast real, they had no drafted players. Harvard had a lot of drafted players, a lot of really, really good players on that team. And he's getting, and he's getting those first powerful unit shifts and top six um, minutes for a team like that, that has NHL talent on the roster. So it's not like he's the best player on a team that there's only two drafted guys. Like he was getting that ice time, obviously as the captain, as a veteran, but he's competing against guys that are NHL draft picks for that time. Yeah, I think it, I think if people are wondering if Farinacci could be a diamond in the rough top six replacement for a couple of the guys that Bruins just lost, I think the answer is no. Not to you know put a damper on somebody's NHL potential, but I just don't think that's the type of player that he is. I think you guys have been pretty bang on with your assessment of him. I think that he's a. I think I think the, what the Bruins like about him is that he's a. He has a lot of intangibles in a player that they like as far as work ethic and smarts and IQ, like you guys mentioned, and those things do matter. Um, but I don't think that he's that he's any sort of, you know, like I said, diamond in the rough top six replacement for some of the centers they just lost in Bergeron and Krejci. But again, it's never it's it's competition's always a good thing and, and, and organizational depth is always a good thing. So it's definitely a a, a, a definitely a worthwhile signing. And Bridget, you said uh, a good point. Like it does seem somewhat in, in, insignificant. I, I know people have been in favor of this, but I, I honestly think that sometimes people just say what other people say. I don't, I think a lot of Bruins fans that are a big fan of the Farinacci signing probably haven't watched much of John Farinacci because where do you even find Harvard hockey? So um, oh, I, I think that you. I can tell you, I almost went back and watched <laughs> the tape from <laughs> like, I have it on my computer. You can watch it on ESPN plus I'll be there. <laughs> but the, uh no, I mean, my point is like, yeah, it's, I, I don't think, I think people are being a little ins- insincere if they, if they're pretending that they're very well versed in him as a player overall. But mm-hmm. I, I think that um, to your point, Bridget, it might seem insignificant, but it could, it could pay dividends um, as soon as this year, maybe the year afterwards. And, and like I said, they signed up to a two-year deal. So we'll start with that. Yeah. And, and they also, we've, we've mentioned that they have no cap space to go out there and try to find someone that is already an established NHL player. Um, and this is a seemingly very low risk decision to add him. 
Um, and you almost feel like they might have locked out a little bit because once he becomes a free agent, then he gets to choose where he wants to go and he wants to come to Boston. So um, like say he ruled out a lot of other teams and he just decided he wanted to come here because you mentioned the ties with the Donatos and um, coming to Harvard and um, for whatever reason, wanting to come to the Bruins organization, thinking that maybe he has a chance here and that he'd be a fit here. So there's, there's a chance that this is kind of a you locked out situation because if you wanted to come here, you weren't really competing for him. You didn't have to give him a huge contract, obviously. Um, he's just coming straight out of college. So there is very little risk in doing this. So that's probably why you'll get a, a general consensus of this was a good move because it doesn't hurt anything. I mean, he could play in Providence and not like not affect anything. It could just be a depth move or um, – best case scenario, maybe you, you need him at some point to fill in on your third or fourth line at some point this season, if there's an injury or if one of your other free agent signings doesn't work out, say Boquist or geeky or someone that you brought in that you thought was going to give you, like you thought that they were going to be a better fit. Maybe they're not. And maybe that's when you have to elevate someone from Providence and Farinacci is another guy that you could uh, take a look at there. Yeah, and we talked to him late last week on Zoom after the signing, and he said he basically said that he was like, "Yeah, I talked to a few other teams, but nothing can really compare to to the opportunity to sign with the Bruins." Um, he was considered the top uh, drafted player to reach free agency this summer. Uh, you know, it was like him and Jay O'Brien from BU, who was actually a first round pick of the Flyers four years ago, but. Um, had a good season this past year, but like didn't really pan out in terms of, you know, offensively looking like a, a first rounder. Um, I think Farinacci has the stronger all around game. And so that's why he was widely considered, you know, the sort of the prize of like this group of guys who waited out um, to get to August free agency. Usually this drafted free agency period isn't, as deep as the undrafted free agency that happens, you know, right when the college season ends. Um, but, you know, every now and then good players get here. And, you know, like I, I mentioned to these guys before, that's how the Bruins got Blake Wheeler back in the day. He waited it out, didn't sign the team that drafted him. Uh, recently, you know, Jimmy Vesey was a notable one that actually, um, you know, led to something of a bidding war where there was actually like real money being thrown around. And also Harvard, also Harvard. Uh, yeah. College hockey player. Again, you know, smart guys who kind of know their situation, you know, realize that they maybe have more options than just signing with the team that drafts them. Um, you know, Visa can also serve as like a little bit of a cautionary tale in terms of, you know, like Brian said, like not getting too excited where, you know, everyone was stoked about VZ and wanted their team to sign them. And he's had a nice NHL career, no dissing VZ, but it's not like he turned into a first line forward, which I think some people who were getting too excited at the time thought he might be. And, um, but yeah, so I, keep expectations in check, but certainly a, a useful signing that can potentially help you.